Good morning, WCF. It's great to see all your faces. And why don't we stand and just raise a hallelujah to our God. I raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. I raise a hallelujah louder than the unbelief. I raise a hallelujah my way melody I raise a hallelujah heaven comes to fight for me I'm gonna sing in the middle of the storm louder and louder you're gonna hear my praises roar up from the
said, I invite you to turn to Psalm chapter 103 as we kind of end Thanksgiving before we start our Christmas season. We're going to look at Psalm 103, which totally ties in with the theme of Thanksgiving. So as you're looking for that, King David is probably my favorite Old Testament patriarch. I can remember reading and rereading First and Second Samuel as a young man, and um, captivated by David's heroism and deep passion to please the God that he served. I'm sure another reason that David became my favorite patriarch is because David was an artist. He played a musical instrument, the harp. He was a singer. He was a songwriter. So I definitely felt a connection. And the book of Psalms is also a book I remember reading and rereading. A book that I frequently frequent even to this day. If anyone understood the importance of praise and worship, it was David. Because of this understanding, David was the one who established praise and worship of God in the temple through the arts. And in 1 Chronicles chapter 6, verses 31 and 32, David assigned men to be the musician for the temple. 1 Chronicles 6 says, Now these are those whom David appointed over the service of song in the house of the Lord. After the ark rested there, they ministered with song before the tabernacle of the tent of meeting until Solomon had built the house of the Lord in Jerusalem, and they served in their office according to to their order. So when God called Moses to lead the children of Israel and when they, uh, Moses led them out of Egypt and they went into the desert, Moses' job was to set up the tabernacle. God gave him the tabernacle. That was going to be the place of worship for the children of Israel. But the worship contained, uh, Moses taught them how to worship offerings, Different offerings to offerings for sin, offerings to uh, for a peace offering towards God, and it was all about the offering system. It was all about the law, and it was what God gave the Ten Commandments and the law. and And Moses instructed the children of Israel: This is how you worship the Lord. This is what God wants you to do, and this is how you should do it. Be sure to obey everything that God commanded, and that was their worship. But then, when King David came on the scene. He took that worship one step further, and he brought music and the arts into the temple worship. And even though we didn't read it, we see here that he 
picked the Le- some of the Levites who were musicians and artists themselves. And he told them to before the, the Ark of the Covenant, they were supposed to worship God with musical instruments and with song 24 hours a day. That was their job. And because of what David set up, that's why we just spent all the time that we did worshiping God through song. And so we've got, we see that there's the two types of worship that came in. And because of his understanding of praise and worship, David penned the words of Psalm 103. Now, Psalm 103 is pure praise from start to finish. It is eternal praise, and it is gospel praise. It is full of gospel truth. Psalm 103 is pure worship. It has a riveted focus on one person, Yahweh. That is the only name of God used in this entire psalm. Yahweh is the Hebrew word for God. It was the unspeakable. The unspeakable name of God is the the Jewish people. They didn't speak this word because it was so sacred to them. And it was God, the I am, as God presented himself to Moses in the burning bush. He said, I am that I am. That is God's name. It is focused on worshiping the I am, the eternal one. The worship is basically made up of a recitation and remembrance of magnificent reality of his salvation blessings. There is no mention of any historical circumstances around this psalm. Many psalms that we, that we uh, read, it starts at the beginning of the psalm. It'll say, written by so-and-so and written because of this event or because for this reason this, was, this psalm was written. But in Psalm 103, there is no mention of any historical circumstances with regard to the writing of this psalm. That is very fitting. It is universally applicable. There is no mention of enemies. There's no mention of foes or threats. There are no requests. There are no complaints. There are no petitions. Many of David's songs was him lamenting. God, where are you? You said you would show up for me. Do you even hear my prayers? Do you see what these people are doing to me? Can't you see? Don't you care about me, God? We have a lot of those psalms. They're kind of right there at the beginning, the first 20, 30 or so. And you can kind of get stuck in those, and you're just ever wondering, does David even trust God or believe in God? But that's what a lot of psalms can be. But there's none of that in Psalm 103. This is just pure worship to God. No clouds on the horizon. No notes of disappointment. No lines of sadness. It is all joyous, thankful, overflowing praise rising from the hearts of those who have been given full and eternal salvation. No more Uh, Pure outbursts of praise exist in Scripture. And just as a side note, there is no mention of musical instruments. A lot of psalms, especially towards the end, talk about praising the Lord with the cymbals and the trumpets and the harps and the lyres. But in Psalm 103, there's no mention of musical instruments. There's no mention of singing or anything else to do with music. And so it's hard for me to sometimes understand, but sometimes I do get it. I know all of us don't like music as much as I do. You should, but I, it's okay. I'll, I'll let it pass. 
But no, everyone's not a singer. Some people don't like to sing, and that's okay, and that's no problem. But guess what? Psalm 103 doesn't let you off of the hook of praising your God. It has everything to do with lifting our voices and praise and worship of our God. So, with this in mind, I invite you all to stand. And I want us to declare together. I'm not going to read it to you. I want you to declare it with me. Psalm 103. We're going to read the whole chapter here. And so I'd like you to declare it. It's up here on the screen if you don't have your Bibles. But uh, let's declare God, Psalm 103 with everything that I've just mentioned. Here we go. Ready? Read. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of His benefits. Who pardons all your iniquities. Who heals all your diseases. Who life from the pit who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion, who satisfy your years with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. The Lord performs righteous deeds and judgments for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the sons of Israel. Is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. He will not always strive with us, nor will he be his forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he himself knows our frame. He is mindful that we are but dust. As for man... His days are like the grass. As the flower of the field, so he flourishes. Wind has passed over it. It is no more. And its place acknowledges it no longer. But the loving kindness of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. And his righteousness to children's children. To those who keep his covenant. And remember his precepts to do them. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens. And his sovereignty rules over all. Bless the Lord, you his angels. Mighty in strength who perform his word. Obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all you hosts. You who serve him, doing his will. Bless the Lord, all you works of his. In all places of his dominion, bless the Lord, O my soul. May the Lord bless the declaration of his, of his word. You may be seated. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Do you hear the energy in that? Bless the Lord, O my soul. 
and all that is within me. As I said earlier, David understood the importance of worshiping God and knew that he needed to regularly encourage himself to worship. So let's be honest here this morning. There are times I don't like, I don't feel like worshiping God. I know, sounds like a surprise. There are times I come in here on Sunday and it's my job to lead you in worship. Sometimes I don't feel like it. Sometimes you come into this place and don't feel like worshiping God. Sometimes you wake up in the morning and you don't feel like worshiping God. You get halfway through your day and maybe you got busy or whatever may have happened in your day. Maybe you got some bad news, whatever. But there are times when we don't feel like blessing the Lord. But David understood the importance of talking to himself. And so I give you permission to talk to yourself. I even give you permission to answer yourself. But there are times when we need to grab ourselves by the earlobe and we need to look ourselves in the eye and we need to say, Tom, bless the Lord. Tom's soul, bless the Lord. It doesn't matter how you feel. It doesn't matter what life looks like. It doesn't matter what you're going through. You could be on high heaven. You could be in the lows of the Lord's. It doesn't matter. Our salvation and our praise of God has nothing to do with our life circumstances. It has nothing to do with our feelings. Faith is not based upon how I feel. It's not based upon what I see. It's not based upon what I hear. It's all based upon this right here. It's based upon what God's word says. And what God says were God and what God's word says is truer than our life circumstances. And we also, if you really get down, read the end of the book. Because we win anyway. We win. And so David understood that we get tired, that he got tired. And in fact, he learned this. Uh, He and his mighty men went to fight on behalf of Israel. And they were living in Ziglag at the time, which was was in the country of the Philistines. And he and his mighty men came back from this, from this battle and they came into their town and they found their town totally burned to the ground. Completely burned. And all of their women and their children were taken away as slaves. Not one of them were there. And it says in, in Samuel, it says that David and his mighty men, mighty men, cried Until they couldn't cry anymore. They were that distressed. They were that despondent. And in fact, as mighty men took it to the next step, they started complaining about David and his leadership. And they began to pick up stones to kill him. I would say that's a bad day. But the Bible says this incredible statement. It says, David encouraged himself in the Lord. Did you catch that? Here he is, destitute as destitute could be. And he stopped everything. And he encouraged himself 
in the Lord. I can guarantee you that's why he could write whenever he wrote it. We don't know when he wrote it. It's not attached to anything. But that's why he wrote Psalm 103. Because he knew that there were times that he had to remind himself to bless the Lord. To bless the Lord with all his soul. You've heard me say this before. Our soul, we as human beings, we are a spirit being. God created us in his image and we are a spirit being similar to God. We have a soul and we live in this earth suit called a body. And our soul is our mind, our will, and our emotions. And so David is saying, hey, wake up, wake up, soul, wake up, mind, wake up, will, wake up, emotions, bless the Lord. When we worship God with our will, that's a conscious decision. We choose to worship God. When we worship God with our minds, when we worship God with our uh, emotions, Again, emotions aren't wrong. We don't base our spiritual life on our emotions. But it's okay to get happy. It's okay to be joyous. It's okay to hoot and holler and praise God. We do it all the time. We just saw that if you all watch football, you watch thousands of people praise. Did you hear me? You, we saw thousands of people praise, and maybe even in your living room, your family praised what they saw on the TV. What happened? You were given high fives. You're going, whoo, ah, good job. Did you see that catch? Right? We get up sometimes, and even if you're at the game, people, they're jumping up and down. They're clapping their hands. What do you call that? That's praise. And praise and blessing the Lord require us to do something physical. We can't just sit still with our eyes closed and bless and praise the Lord or anybody else. If your child does a good job on a test, if your child does a good job driving the car, they will never know that they did a good job unless you open your mouth. Right? You can't just look at them and stare at them and adore them and, and give them worth and give them value. That's appropriate, and there are times when silence is worship. And so it's all part of it. It's all intertwined together. But there comes a time when we have to open our mouth and we have to say something. We have to do something physically. Clapping our hands, applauding someone because they did a great musical number or whatever the case may be or we applaud their speech or whatever it is that's showing them that we praise them and that we thank them for what they did. And so as that's what is required, our mind, our will, and our emotion. And so we also worship God with our mind. We worship God with an understanding of who he is and what he's done for us. We can't just worship something in a vacuum. We have to know the person. We have to know, in this case, we have to know who God is and what he's done for us. And so David has said, come on, soul, bless the Lord, get engaged. This is actually how we should live our day-to-day lives. Blessing God, praising God, worshiping God. This needs to become a habit to the point where we bless the Lord from the depths of our being every morning and every night. 
And so he said, worship, uh, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. He didn't, he's talking about getting deep. This is intentional. We do this on purpose. This isn't just some haphazard thing that we may do. It's like, oh, I guess I'll praise the Lord. No, there's intentionality. There's purpose. There's a desiring to come into God's presence and give him the honor and the glory that's due his name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. And so, uh, what does it mean to bless the Lord? When we bless the Lord, we affectionately, gratefully declare God's attributes and character to him. We praise him. We speak of the excellence of him. And as I've already said, you cannot bless the Lord by just sitting around with eyes closed. This requires something that we do with our physical bodies. And so, here are some attributes and characteristics of God that you might speak out to bless the Lord. So if we're going to declare who he is and what he's done for us, how do we do that? Especially, again, we said you don't need, you don't have to have musical instruments. You don't have to have music. That helps if you like to sing, put a tape on, listen to the radio, worship when you hear a song come on. <clears throat> That's great. But there are times that we should just open our mouth and start declaring God's excellency, declaring his attributes, and declaring his characteristics. So, I encourage you. To write these down, if you have something to write with, I encourage you to write these characteristics of God down with their scripture references to study further on your own. So, if you're blessing the Lord, you might say, God, you are good. Psalm 25, 8 says, good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. And by the way, let me just also make this side note that we... Worship and bless God based upon what he said, not based upon what I think he said, not what I based upon what I think, who I think God is, but we worship him based upon who has he is, who the word declares that he is. And the word says, God, you are good. Again, Psalm 25, 8, good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. You might say, God, you are love. Another characteristic of God. 1 John chapter 4, verse 8. <clears throat> Excuse me. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Again, another characteristic, another attribute of who our God is. You might say this to God. God, you are light. You're declaring, you're blessing him. You are light, 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him and announced to you, that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. Look at that verse. He is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. We, it's hard for our minds to comprehend that. Because we see dark all the time. All the shadows that we see in the room. Right? That means there's no light 
there's a, if there's a shadow, it means there's no light on that spot where the shadow is. We walk into a dark room. It's dark because there's no light. But God is light. And there is no darkness. And so when you get into God's presence, you're always going to be in the light. You may say, God, you are my hope. 1 Peter 1.3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. God is our hope. Another characteristic, God, you are my peace. In Ephesians 2, 13 and 14. But now in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall. Formerly, we were far off. We were away from God. We didn't have any peace in our life. Remember your life before Christ? It was uh, in, in shambles. Most of the time, we might have thought that we, things were peaceful and maybe we were walking by a lake or a, ma- or, or, a, or a river or maybe we were in the mountains or sometimes you walk on the ocean and it's peaceful. We may have had situations like that, but we didn't have peace where it was most important in our hearts. God, you are our peace. God, you are the true God. Jeremiah 10.10 says, But the Lord is the true God. He is the living God and the everlasting King. All His wrath, at His wrath, the earthquakes and the nations cannot endure His indignation. The Lord is the true God. He is the living God and the everlasting King. He God, you are the true God. John 17, 3 also says, This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. He is our true God. You might also bless the Lord by saying, God, you are my joy. Romans fourteen seventeen. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and and joy in the Holy Spirit. In fact, God, uh, Jesus told his disciples that he, I give you my joy, that joy, give you that my joy, I give you my peace that passes all understanding. We know in the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah said that the joy of the Lord is my strength. So in God and in Christ, we have joy and he is the one and the author of our joy. And the final thing, well, not the final list, there's lots of characteristics of God in the Bible, but the final thing for this morning, God, you are life. John 20, 31. But these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Romans six twenty two and 23 says, but now, having been freed from sin and enslaved to God, you derive your benefit, resulting in sanctification. And the outcome 
eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is the God that you have accepted as your Lord and Savior if you've done that. That is the God who lives inside of you if you profess Him as your Lord. He is life. He is joy. He is the true God. He's our peace. He's our hope. He is light. He is love. He is good. And that's how we bless the Lord. We open God's word like I've done here this morning and we declare to him and we say, God, based upon your word, you are good and I give you thanks. And I ascribe the glory that's to your name. You are love, etc., etc. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. That is how we bless the Lord. So I encourage you, dig into God's word for yourself. You've got it just like I do, either in this form or on your phone or on your tablet or computer. We have been so blessed in this generation. God's word is at our fingertips more than it ever has been before. So take the time, dig into God's word for yourself and find out the attributes and character of God and use his word to bless him, to affectionately declare who he is and what he's done for you. And I have lists all over the place. On my tablet, I've got lists so that I can just go there. That's all written down in one place for me of different scriptures that I've come across that allow me to bless the Lord. Many times I just open my Bible and I, and I just go into the book of Psalms and I just leaf through it occasionally, not necessarily reading anything, but looking for scriptures in the Psalms that, that tell me who God is. And so we'll get to a scripture and it says, God is my, the rock of my salvation. God, thank you. I praise you and I bless your holy name because you are my rock. See how you do this? You bless the Lord. You open your mouth. So, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Again, His name is Yahweh. It is God's own name. Not a descriptive name, but His name. I am. It's just like, my name's Tom. It's not descriptive. It's my name. And just just like God, His name is Yahweh, the great I am. He is the... It is the worship of the I am, the one true and living God, the one who eternally exists, who never had a beginning, who never had an ending. He is alone, absolute reality, all other reality God created. He is constant, independent, sovereign. He is beauty. He is perfection. He is holiness. What the word holiness means when it says bless his holy name. Holy simply means that God is completely separated from sin. He has nothing to do with sin. That's why we can never be in his presence face to face without the blood of Jesus. Because we get in connection. If we were to get in contact with a holy God. 
we would cease to exist. Because sin cannot be around and exist around God. Not because he's a mean God. It's because that's who he is. And he asks each one of us. In the book of Peter it says, be holy as I am holy. What is God saying? God's saying, be separated from sin the same way that I'm separated from sin. That's what his holy name means. Um, he is everything. God alone is worthy of worship. This is Yahweh. And he is also the Lord Jesus Christ. Bless his holy name. We affectionately, gratefully declare God's name. Not only is his name Yahweh, but he has many names. Again, the book is full of them. And so here are a few of God's other names. This is not an exhaustive list by any means, but just a few that I've put together. Again, I encourage you to write these down. I encourage you to write these scriptures down. And I encourage you to take time to study them and do your own further study of God's name because they tell us who he is. And what he's done for us. In Colossians 1.16, it tells us that God's name is creator. He is the creator of everything. Colossians 1.16, for by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. Take time to read Psalm 104. We don't have time to do it. It's just the next psalm, one, one psalm to the right of what we've been reading. Psalm 104, the whole chapter describes in detail God as creator. Encourage you to read it. Encourage you to take time to study it. He is creator. God's name is Savior. Acts 5.31 He is the one whom God exalted to his right hand, talking about Jesus, as a prince and a savior to grant repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. 1 Timothy 4.10 says, For it is for this we labor and strive, because we have fixed our hope on the living God, who is the savior of all men, especially of believers. So he is creator his name is Creator. His name is Savior. His name is Lord. Of scripture, most of us are, are uh, uh, acquainted with Psalm or Philippians two nine through eleven. For this reason also, God highly exalted him, speaking of Jesus, and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow, of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord for the glory of God the Father. God's name is Lord. God's name is Shepherd. John 10:11. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. He called himself the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Many of us are familiar with Psalm 23, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. God's name is shepherd. God's name is rock. Second, uh, Second Samuel 22.3 My God, my rock, 
in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold and my refuge, my Savior, you save me from violence. Just in that verse, we see different names of God. We see different attributes of who God is and what he what he's done for us. Take time to look at Psalm 62, 2. It also says, he only is my he only is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold. I shall not be shaken. God's name is a strong tower. We won't have time to look at all these other verses, but write down God's name is a strong tower. Proverbs 18.10 tells us that the name of the Lord is a strong tower. In 1 Timothy 1.17, we see Paul give us four names of, of God. They are King Eternal, Immortal, Invisible, the only wise God. And then the final thing for this morning, Isaiah 9, 6, which we always usually look at at the Christmas season. It tells us in the last part of Isaiah 9, 6, again, four names. God is wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting or eternal father, prince of peace. Again, that's the God you serve. I don't know about you, but I think I just preached myself happy. When you start thinking about, do you understand? This is the God we serve. And he calls us his own. And he loves us greatly. And we're going to have to really speed up the rest of this because uh, here we go. What an incredible God we have. These attributes, the names of God, only begin to scratch the surface of who God is. He is beyond worthy of our praise. Allow yourself to be completely overwhelmed with who God is and what He's done for us. Be completely engaged with intentionality every day to affectionately and gratefully declare God's name, attributes, and character. Bless the Lord, O my soul. All that is within me, bless His holy name. David doesn't stop there. In verse 2, he says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not one of His benefits. Forget none of His benefits. Never forget is a slogan synonymous with September 11, 2001. And understandably so. We as Americans started the day of 9-11-01 with our regular routines. All of us can remember, the majority of us can remember what we were doing, where we were. What was going on in our life? We never expected that our comfortable lives were about to be turned upside down. For the past 22 years, at least one time a year, we remember the events of 9-11. Well, did you know that the psalmist David coined that phrase during his time in history? That's why in Psalm 103, David tells us to never forget what God does for us for us, while we worship Him. So it's one thing to bless the Lord and tell Him and to declare to Him who He is and what He's done for us. But blessing the Lord should always remind us of what He has given us and His great um, benefits to us. 
So how often we can take for granted God's incredible grace and mercy towards us. It can sometimes be too easy to forget the extravagant gifts God gives us. Moses understood this in the book of Deuteronomy. Moses continually told the Israelites to remember the Lord their God. Remember that God, he told them to remember that God had brought them out of slavery and remember his covenant. And the Apostle Paul encouraged the church in Ephesus to remember that at one time they were separate from Christ and strangers to the covenant of promise. You can find that in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 10, 13 to 13. We don't have time to look at it this morning, but in Ephesians, Paul reminds us that each one of us had a time when we were separate from God. We weren't even part of the covenant. And yet God brought us in. And so we remember that through the blood of Jesus, we've been brought into the family of God. Never forget this. This is how we are to live our lives with a constant cataloging and recitation of the Lord's benefits. Never forget the good things he's done for us. Let's look at these real quickly in Psalm 103, verses 3 to 5. The first one that David lists through the, through the uh, inspiration of the Holy Spirit. The first benefit is he pardons all of your iniquities. In Colossians chapter 1 verses 13 and 14. For he, Jesus, rescued us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. 1 John 1, 9 tells us that if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And Isaiah 43, 25 tells us, I, even I, this is the Lord speaking, am the one who wipes out your transgressions. Did you notice? He wipes them out. He didn't just cover them with blood. That was the Old Testament. Their sins were only covered. They were never annihilated. But as of Jesus, since Jesus, all of our sins have been wiped out for my own sake. And I will not remember your sins. Why? Is it because God has a bad memory? No. He chooses to never, ever remember our sin. And he throws it into the sea of forgetfulness and remembers them no more. So you can go out of here today. And sin, maybe you do it on purpose. Most of us try not to sin, but we do make mistakes. And when we make mistakes and we go to God and we say, God, according to 1 John 1, 9, we say, God, forgive me of my sin. And then you go back to him five minutes and you say, hey, God, do you remember what I just asked you for forgiveness? And he goes, nope. Did you catch that? That's how quick. He remembers it no more. When you've accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, He doesn't hold your sins against you. He's wiped them completely out. He doesn't remember. And 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 then later in the Psalm 103, it gives us that verse that tells us that that God took our sin and He threw it as far as the east is from the west. West, east. I should do that. 
This is salvation. This is the door to all of the treasure house of divine grace and mercy. This is the beginning. The gospel, the good news, is that God forgives all of our iniquities. That's the good news. It's not about a happy life. It's not about purpose. It's not about fixing your life so that you can be more maximally fulfilled It's not about giving you what you want. The good news is about the forgiveness of sin by which you escape hell and enter heaven. This is where our thanks begin. I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. Again, today I'm forgiven. I've been forgiven. I'll continue to be forgiven. One of our benefits is he has taken away all of our iniquities. We continue on in his benefits in verse 3, and it says, He heals all your diseases, Deuteronomy 32, 39. See now that I, I am he, and there is no God besides me. It is I who put to death and give life. I have wounded, and it is I who heal. And there is no one who can deliver from my hand. God heals all the diseases of our soul. Pride, lust of the flesh, Lust of the eyes, hatred, rebellion against him. God is also the great physician for our physical healing. All of us at one time or another have experienced physical healing through medicine and through the medical profession, even with its shortcomings. Lives have been saved and prolonged because of modern medicine. People have also been healed, though, through the power of prayer and miracles that only God can perform. Why does one person receive healing and at the same time another person dies due to physical illness? Why do some people experience tragedy and others are spared? I don't have the answers. But I do know this. Tough things happen because our planet is sadly out of joint with God's intended order of things. Sin entered this world and mankind has become painfully vulnerable to the consequences of sin. In his original design, God meant everything to be so different. That's why we need a Savior. And one day soon, God will put everything back to his original plans. Until then... I'm still going to pray when somebody says I need physical healing. Until that day, I'm going to pray for people's souls to be saved and have that spiritual healing. We pray for physical healing. We pray for spiritual healing. And we leave leave the results up to a sovereign God. The third benefit listed is God redeems our life from the pit of... from the pit of destruction or deliverance from death and the grave. Romans 6.23 For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. 1 John 3.14 We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brethren. He who does not love abides in death. Part of our salvation and redemption is that we will experience eternal life. Living in the presence of Jesus, never being separated from God because of our sin. 
verse 4 continues, God crowns you with a loving kindness and tender mercies. He crowns us with a loving kindness. What is this? This is committed love. It's hesed in Hebrew. It means committed or covenant love. That's the kind of love that is unbroken, expressed in determined acts of the will of God by which He keeps His promise to those who belong to Him. He is a pardoning God. He is a forgiving God. He makes covenant with those who put their trust in Him and He will never break that covenant. So we thank Him for His committed love, His unbroken love. His covenant love and also His compassion that is the action from that covenant love. Covenant love describes the relationship we have with God and compassion describes the action of that relationship, the emotional side of God's favor. God not only loves us with a committed love, but He loves us emotionally. He loved us so that He comes down and cares for us. He crowns us like royal sons and daughters with heavenly benefits. Committed love, it's the promise of an unbroken love forever. And the fruit of that love is acts of compassion. In Psalm 103, we read it together, verses 11 through 13. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness, his hesed love Toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. God's not mad with you today. God's not up in heaven with a billy club just waiting for mankind to make a mistake so he can bop him on the head and play that old game Frogger, you know. Or all the frogs or, or alligators would come out and the kids would try to bop the heads of the alligator. That's not what God's doing. God loves us with a deep love. He satisfies your years with good things is the next benefit. The sanctified, blessed life is the, is the satisfied life. If you are walking with the Lord, if you have been saved, you walk in a way that God showers you endlessly with His heavenly blessings. They literally drown us in a constant barrage of love. So that our youth is renewed like the eagles. The satisfied life is the wholesome life. It's strong. It's nourished. It flourishes. Isaiah forty thirty one says, Yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. I invite the worship team to make their way back to the stage. And as they do, like David, we need to continually remind ourselves to affectionately and gratefully declare God's attributes and character. Like David, we need to continually thank God for soundness of body, soundness of mind, sight, hearing, speech, appetite, and a host of other gifts. Let's take time to regularly Begin our day reading Psalm 103. This way, we will bless the Lord and we will never forget. So I invite you to stand and let's continue to worship. As we sing a song around here, 10,000 reasons that we've sang many, many times.
We are God's kids. He loves us beyond our wildest dreams. And as we end this Thanksgiving weekend, let's bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. people. And as we stand in your presence this morning, that is our heart cry, is that we would bless you and describe to you your character, your characteristics and your uh, and your attributes, that we would declare your name, that you are the one true God. 
You are the God that has created this universe. You are the one who has saved our soul. You are our Lord, our Master. And we bow our knee this morning and declare you our Lord. You are our King. You are our soon and coming King. And we know one day soon you're going to bring us home. And we'll never be out of your presence ever, ever again. Until then, God, may we wake up every morning that you give us breath and bless your holy name. May we remind ourselves that we need to worship you from the depth of our being. And may we never, ever, ever, ever forget your graciousness to us, the benefits that you give to us. And we only... Just started the list. There are so many more that we could add to that list. God, may we be people that bless your holy name and never forget in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen and praise Jesus. Have a blessed week. We'll see you Thanks next Thanks for time. joining us in the study of God's Word with Pastor Kerry Wacker. We'd love to have you join us in person for worship each Sunday morning at 9 a.m. or 1045 a.m. We also meet Wednesday nights at 630 p.m. Warren Community Fellowship is located at 56523 Columbia River Highway in Warren, Oregon, between Scappoose and St. Helens. For more information about Warren Community Fellowship or about WCF Ministries, call us at 503 397 4387. And don't forget to like us on Facebook.